Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by you and Patterson. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Josh Brown. Hello, hello, hello. And although this news kind of broke last week as to all sorts of <laughs> EA gubbins and shenanigans, what? He, just did, he did my thing. We just flapping at the state of EA. We had, a little, yeah. bit of a, we had yes. a little bit of a moment. It was, it's okay, you didn't have to be there. So, well, I'm, I'm, I am here. Yeah. That, that's the only place where I am. <laughs> but don't worry. Uh, so, yeah, we basically just had a bit of a natter in the office and just thought, you know what? EA's treatment of the Star Wars IP has not been the best of times. Definitely, not great. Definitely so, not eBay. It's not, mm-hmm. and I don't. I will not stand for such puns. I think yeah. you have to do a lot better. But we thought we might as well go back <laughs> through the timeline and just kind of like pick apart when did this happen, how did we get here, and all sorts of uh, all sorts of things around that subject matter. So I've assembled a big old timeline uh, oh. starting from May 2013, which is when EA first signed the deal, ten-year deal uh, with Disney, uh, and Frank Jabot, Jabay Jabot, I can't remember what his name is, G I B E A U. G.I. Joe himself said, referred to this as a dream deal back in 2013. So they were going to sign a 10-year deal. They did sign a 10-year deal. And he said, Dyson Visceral will produce new games, joining the Bioware team, which continues to develop for for the Star Wars franchise. Now, Bioware is obviously the Star Wars, the Old Republic stuff, which continued forward. Um, Dyson Visceral, though, that's that's a bit of a thing. That's that's a name I haven't heard in a long (laughs) time. (laughs) But even as like an opening gambit, like Mm -hmm. retrospectively, obviously only Dyson survived that. But it's, I mean, I I missed this at the time, but he outlined visceral only to walk about. As someone who absolutely adored LucasArts, like mm. top to bottom, like I even try my best now to keep up with what those former developers are working on. That's why I was so happy about or excited about Mafia 3 because it was done by Hayden Blackman and a bunch of other mm. ex-LucasArts devs. Um, I was really upset when they got binned and I still kind of think it was a needless decision that Disney made. You know, mm. they were already planning to do a Star Wars Episode 7 game when Disney announced that. Um, and then when it moved to EA, I was like, oh god, mm. I love DICE, but... Uh, and then when they had that announcement, I was like, you know what? I'm fully on board with this if they can like generate enough passion into these studios because EA we've already known that EA have great studios mm. the studios have never been the issue mm-hmm. it's always been the publisher and then during that time when they bought when when they were given the Star Wars license they were kind of having a little bit of a, a goodwill period like they were, they were yeah. starting to come back with the original IPs like mm-hmm. Titanfall and um, and obviously uh, well, I mean, that's yeah. a weird, it didn't uh, like, last. Like that's no. a promising um, press release. Yeah. Where you've got Bioware back in Star Wars, and only never really left. But that sort of invites the possibility of Knights of the Old Republic three, yep. like a proper sequel. You've got uh, Visceral, who obviously had just um, got Uncharted and Naughty Dogs. Amy Hennig at the time. Well. Well, well, Josh Brown, well, we're going to tackle this month well, by month, month by month, slash year by year. So, right. uh, so this announcement happened in 2013, and that was when Visceral started Project Yuma, which yes. is a pirate-themed Star Wars open-world game, which they've barely talked about, barely even knew existed. Uh, Amy Hennig actually joined Visceral in 2014, oh, um, and yeah. apparently it was on her that said, "I don't want to work in an open-world game that can just be any old other open-world thing. I want to do something more, you know, linear." Which is why Project oh, Ragtag got off the ground. God, I remember, remember doing it. these rumors. I remember yeah. because for a while we thought it was a Han Solo game that was going to be open-world. Oh, 
world. you did. Well, no, no, that was the thing that came about, <laughs> yeah. and we had uh, Todd Stashwick. Yes, uh, actually, he, sorry, he, yeah. he was meant to be involved in in writing one of these games as well. And I can't remember if it was Ragtag or Yuma, but. Nearly yeah. everything seemed to be relating around Ragtag. Yeah. And then, then we found out about... Um, yeah, like, basically, it was going to be that Amy Henley was essentially going to herald Uncharted, Star Wars Uncharted, mm-hmm. um, which anyone who remembers the Star Wars 1313 stuff, which I think was shown off when it was still just LucasArts. Uh, I think LucasArts showed that off initially. Yeah. Um, seemed like... And that itself, if you look at the footage, it again, has very Uncharted vibes yes. and just looked to be the best thing possible, yeah. um, which obviously didn't really last. Uh, also, in 2013, um, Battlefront was announced. They whole rebooted of Battlefront. Be, be re- there. Yes. Reboot Lip, of Lip, Battlefront. Lip, Lip, but even that I mean I remember when that was first announced and a lot of people were just kind of like really like obviously pandemic have shut down Mm. but we're just gonna wipe the slate and try again I was very excited about that game Mm. and when it came out I enjoyed it a lot okay sorry but even though it was sparse and content uh, I thought it was a very it it definitely had flaws and stuff but in Mm -hmm. terms of what it gave us which was literally meant to be Battlefield but with Star Wars it wasn't on the same level and I think that's because they they started development in what 2014 and it was out in 2015 Um, late 2013 it it was a quick turn yeah, it was very, very quick. Um, but, you know, it, it set the ground up for what should have been the perfect sequel. We'll, In get that, well, we'll yeah. get to that. Let's talk yeah. a little bit more about what Battlefront was like, because November 2015 is when that dropped, and yeah. obviously there was the whole mixed reception, the whole no campaign, no single player. Yeah. And I remember that being revealed as a big as a big deal. Like, everyone kind of thought that with the might of EA and the fact you've got DICE, who've done single player campaigns and stuff before very well, um, or at least visually very well. Bad um, company campaigns the, were good. Yeah, Bad Company was yeah. great. I mean, I was just thinking of the Battlefield Hardline, which didn't land very well. Oh, yeah. I was but either way, then that was visible. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah. That game even existed. <laughs> I guess because it's Battlefront, uh, Battlefield, I'm thinking it's uh, yeah. Dice. But still, like that first Battlefront landed, and it was just kind of, it was fine. It was so aggressively fine. And I remember like it was out in time with The Force Awakens. And I remember thinking at the time, I really want to play some Force Awakens stuff. And the only answer to that was <laughs> the Lego Force Awakens game. Yeah, the Battle of Jakku DLC. That's there. not a thing. <laughs> that happened before the movie. I want to play as Rey. I want to play as Finn. Battlefront was a really strange one for me because obviously mm. when that gets announced, I was a fan of the original. I'm a big fan of DICE. I love Battlefield. What I wanted was um, Battlefield, yeah. but in the Star Wars universe. Yes. I wanted the complexity of that, um, complexity and the scale of those multiplayer fights, which mm-hmm. I don't think you quite got. It was very obvious that EA wanted to go down a more casual market, which is fine. They wanted to attract as many fa- Star Wars fans as possible, mm-hmm. but I think that did come at the expense of content. And I think if when you look back on it now, you can easily see that coming when the yeah. game was first shown off. EA just show off games in a really weird way. They reveal <laughs> them really strangely. When the first glimpse that we got of that game yeah. was concept art and the developers working on it we didn't see like a trailer it was just sort of work in progress footage and this was like a year before it came out Mm. which left you wondering how are they going to turn this around and make it good and they did make it good in my opinion but it wasn't what I wanted it to be I completely agree I think you raised a valid point there mechanically it was nowhere near as nuanced or as deep Mm -hmm. as Battlefield and that definitely hurt gameplay like you Mm. had instead of having a squad system where you could team up with different people and like you had to think about like destruction and objectives and like the way you use land and what weapon you should be using they just kind of gave everyone a, like a hodgepodge of different mm-hmm. weapons and then uh, whatchamacallit um, just the star, weird, cards. the star cards and the power ups and it just wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting but I enjoyed it because I thought the the graphical fidelity and like the way it handled mm. it played superbly for what it was yeah. 
but it just wasn't what I wanted. I remember so. like, you could tell like the budgetary side of it. Like I remember that Hoth beta. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot that how that came out of it, which you could just opt in or whatever. But I remember mm-hmm. the first awesome. time I played the Hoth level and like just Walker Assault and just walking in amongst the feet of the AT-80s yeah. and like all the sound effects are ringing off mm-hmm. and you just the actual like I don't know like visual or like budgetary oomph that that game had was phenomenal. I remember loving that first ha- half an hour, and then just from there it just kind of didn't have a whole lot else to offer. And I remember a whole bunch of my mates just weren't bothered because there wasn't anything to write home about in terms of single player stuff. And obviously their answer was like, well you can go do the wave based stuff which is yeah. like which whatever did you guys spend much time doing non-answer it was, no. it was all right it was yeah. fine yeah, it was sorry. another mode in mm-hmm. a game yeah. full of modes just, it's, it's, for me it's, it's part of the, the mode. <laughs> yeah it's, for me it's, like, it's part of the wider conversation in terms of them just not hitting the mark as well as they could have done uh, only in, t- in that particular context or whatever you had Force Awakens the return of Star Wars where am I going to go to play the return of Star Wars and you're not yeah. you're going to play the original well, trilogy that was stuff. the thing right I mean they signed this deal in 2013 yeah. we get Battlefront in 2015 that was realistically the only thing that you could turn around at that time mm-hmm. like creating a game from scratch I don't know when people make a new IP it usually takes about four years mm-hmm. so to get that game out at all without a single player campaign it's is true. like is quite impressive and I don't know what else they could have done in that time but, but still but but but, but yeah, they, yeah. Um, that's another thing for this, it's worth pointing out as well that the sheer look of uh, Battlefront there's a, a technique that uh, DICE use called photogrammetry I'm just mentioning this because I'm a huge nerd and I love this they basically take a whole million load of photos of any item and they, they had full access to all the props and stuff on the movies and stuff um, they basically you take a whole bunch of photos and they recreate it in, ga- in, in the game. That's how it looks kind of photo real. Um, but they did release the Rogue One DLC, which had yeah. um, you know the, the landing pad and all the stuff, the set design that would then be in Rogue that One. That was a great DLC now that you yeah. mentioned it, because you could get in a little gun gu- gunner seat and like basically have your Star Wars Vietnam moment, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. They like, released yeah. like after the launch day, but mostly in time with Rogue One. And mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, maybe the extra few months afforded them the time to release yeah. that mm-hmm. stuff. But I remember thinking that they could have had something for Force Awakens, and it just felt like they missed the boat on uh, that. This, again, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to kind of skip ahead for a second but Battlefront, but Battlefront 2 yes. that had loads of stuff that tied into The Force Awakens and they tried to make it tenuous by saying oh there's this little map that Luke Skywalker has mm. that may <laughs> come into and it's literally in, in one scene of The mm-hmm. Last Jedi it has no value whatsoever nope. um, but that was what people wanted the first time around so by the time they got it in Battlefront 2 and it kind of already followed so even though the, I enjoy the character of um, Aiden, Aiden I, there, was, there, was, yeah. there were certain elements of that story <clears throat> that I think we all found to be a little bit cliched. Oh yeah, we'll get to but, Battlefront yeah. 2. I think uh, it's worth pointing out as well, which I, I was looking up because there's a whole bunch of Star Wars mobile games, mm-hmm. but if you actually drill down to the ones that uh, EA like really had a hand in or whatever, they've only really got two. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, which is the card collecting one that actually released in November alongside Battlefront, um, which I don't know if you guys have played Galaxy of Heroes. No. You know, you've heard of it. I've not yes, played Galaxy of Heroes. I've played the other one that I'll get to, um, but it kind of speaks to their, like if you go down the whole, you ca- cartoonify EA and assume that the big evil corporate overlords who just want to make as much money as possible uh-huh. with a little amount of effort as possible then doing a card collecting app is a way to do like that Simpsons tapped out yes yes I haven't played that that's the exact same is it not well, good it's not, it's not the same game but it's the same principle same but they have the Simpsons license mm-hmm. so they could just mm-hmm. have tapped out which makes millions right. every year because so. like, that's the thing You'll as, we, like, as an overarching statement like EA have signed a deal in 2013 for 10 years and looking back on them now they've released two AAA games and two mobile games yeah. and that's it yeah. and so like yeah one of those mobile games is Galaxy of Heroes which people sort of know the name of but it yeah. didn't exactly 
Kentucky make any splash or anything. Um, it didn't do it particularly well. And so, yeah, if you go forward from there to 2016, that's when Battlefront 2 gets announced and it says, hey, we're going to have the campaign and the story focus and everything that you, we missed out on the last one, that's going to be in the new one. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, when you think about Battlefront 2, that stuff was just so, so marred. Frustrating, because when they came out and announced it and mm-hmm. they were saying, well, we don't have a season pass anymore, all the DLC is going to be free, we're going to have a single-player campaign look, we're really focused on it. He's mm-hmm. the star to talk you through it and be really excited for it. They got every bit of messaging right yep. until they didn't and completely fumbled it. I think, actually, let's let's save the diving yes. headfirst into Battlefront yes. until I get to that point. Because the next thing is another mobile game, which is the one that I have actually played quite a lot of. It's Star Wars Force Arena that came out in January 2017. Did not, um, did not know that. I don't think that many people did. I, just, I was randomly Googling uh, Star Wars games a while back and I happened to find it. It's lit- literally them doing their version of Clash Royale, which mm. uh, if you've not played Clash Royale, it's basically a deck of cards style thing. You have a meter burn. Each card costs a certain amount of that meter and you play your cards down and it's like a it's a tower-based tower defense thing. And Lovely. so, yeah. It's really good, though. Yeah. You can play a Luke Skywalker card and he can go and fight Grievous and then, you know, you pay for the John you know what Darth Maul. You know what I'd rather have? I'd rather they made... What would have been really clever was if they made the chess game that Chewie constantly <laughs> gets pissed off at. I think you can get that now. That would make, that like would make so much more sense thing. as a mobile game. If you yeah. just, like, have something that ties yeah. in the Star Wars, you know, just do that. And then if you play mm-hmm. you get extra points for your, your Battlefront currency packs or whatever they are. I don't know. As an as a overall sentiment, though, towards mobile Star Wars offerings, yes. are they just, like, a meh for you guys? Because yeah. I'm mostly meh, too. I, I, yeah. Just not for me. I just don't no. play uh, mobile games much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Star Star Wars license isn't going to do much to bring yeah. in, even if they are good. Like, it would, yeah. well, they're, no, they're, they're, it's, fine. The, only, it's fine. the only thing that could ever compel me to play one of these mobile games is if I got benefits playing the, the big boy game. Mm. It's really patronizing, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if I got, if I got like, <laughs> points to, to use on that, yes. then potentially I would just fanny around while I'm on the loo, just going, card, play card. Yeah. I do think um, it's worth pointing out for me and the seven other Force Arena fans, how ridiculous is it that you've got to pretend that you're fighting real players and it's actually AI for the first bunch of rounds? That's awkward. It's a bit bad. I mean, bit to make that. you feel, oh, I'm really good at this. I'm doing really well. <laughs> and you're not. It turns out you've been fighting AI for the last few hours. But not to worry. So uh, later in 2017 was when things started to fall the F apart. October 2017, <laughs> Visceral shut down and Project Ragtag was cancelled, which was one of the most public shutting downs of a studio we've ever seen. God damn it, that was disappointing. <laughs> I remember the day. Yeah. It was horrible. I, I, was I in here when that Probably. happened? Probably. We would have covered it regardless. We did cover yeah. it. But yeah. the end of 2017 is where things go notably sour because obviously you've got the build-up from the first battle from being mildly disappointing or whatever. It's mixed. Like, obviously, the mechanics are solid, but it's not what people wanted necessarily. Um, you've got the mobile games out there. It's Everyone was kind of like, what the hell? Yeah. And you've built up Battlefront 2, and then you can the story-focused game, which loses Amy Hennig. Um, and I think she left, or at least her contract was in dispute immediately after that. So, yeah, Visceral shut down in October. Ragtag is cancelled. How did you guys take that, considering that they announced that back in 2013? The, the concept art for it looked lush. Mm-hmm. Like, it looked yeah. so cool. And even the stuff that we've seen come out recently as well, like the, the Ragtag Band of Rebels they had. Mm. See what I did there? Hey. Um, that looked really cool as well and there was obviously a great there is so much talent at these studios yes. and clearly they, they are all capable of making a brilliant Star Wars game but for some reason or another it's like we're back in 2008 when LucasArts were having the dark mm-hmm. years where everything was getting cancelled and stuff wasn't getting past the conceptual stage of development and it was just, it was really gutting because we had um, Battlefront uh, 2 mm-hmm. at the same time it was almost like just like the perfect storm was well, brewing that's the, that's and it was so frustrating like I don't I mean talk a bit more about Visceral but I didn't realise like only only when looking back that I realised that they were only a month apart like uh, Visceral fell apart in October they were um, shuttered in October and then Battlefront 2 was out the 
in November. Yeah. Right. And it's just like that one-two punch is kind of all you needed oh, to make I... people go, actually, screw yeah. this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes the wind out of you, doesn't yeah. it, really? But uh, in terms of the visceral thing, uh, if you read Kotaku's report, it seems like they really struggled to sort of have like a unified vision as to what they were supposed to be working on. Like they had open world, they had the open world pirate game, Project Yuma, and then they had Project Ragtag, which was Amy Hennig's thing. And you can read into how they, the various team members didn't seem to actually coalesce very well. And, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, and stuff. like uh, Hennig seems like a, a hell of a creative force, but she maybe wasn't as good at, I don't know, getting their vision across to the team as she could have been. And so either way, it didn't seem to come together. Uh, apparently a source referred to Visceral being shut down as a mercy killing, um, which is a hell of a way to put a Like of mice and men. <laughs> a little bit, yes. <laughs> at the time, it seems so surprising, but when you look back on it, like Visceral had done the Dead Space series and that mm. had underperformed, and then they'd been moved on to Battlefield Hardline and that underperformed, and then they couldn't get this together. So it, it, the writing was on the wall, but it didn't make it any less Yeah, boring, And especially because that was one of the only games that we'd actually seen a little bit of footage of, like the whole thing. I feel like you called the main guy, I think he's called like Sixer or something like that, uh, or Dasher or something. Anyway, I think he's called Dash, whatever. It's a reindeer, isn't it? It might be. There was, an old, there was an old Star Wars whatever. character called Dash Rendar. Dash Rendar. It's not him. No. Anyway, they showed a little bit off of uh, a guy stepping out of a, uh, one of the cantinas on Tatooine, mm-hmm. and that seemed to be at least promising. Um, but yeah, so that moves us on to Battlefront 2, which is like, besides the fact of the game, which I totally think Battlefront 2 plays extremely well, I had a lot of fun with it online. Yes. But you have to analyze the wider context around it. All the loot box stuff kicked off because of Battlefront 2. Yeah. yeah. And which was massive. It's, it's interesting to note now that the game's kind of experiencing a mini resurgence. They mm. had, uh, there was a massive kind of campaign from fans to incorporate Clone Wars content and they've mm-hmm. really doubled down on that. So right now they've got like a whole Geonosis thing. They're That's bringing good. loads of cool skins back. So at the end of the day, you know, Battlefront 2 had a lot of cool ideas about it. Yeah. But it just seems as though it was a victim of the culture that it kind of was made in because this is when mm. loot boxes were really, really coming out. And obviously we'd had Overwatch, which was so successful with them, but then it predicated its entire progression system around the randomness of these things. And obviously True. if you if you play uh, multiplayer FPSs and competitive shooters a lot, you'll know that the more, the, the, old, the biggest premise is the more time you put into a certain class, the more you will unlock of that class. Yeah. That's how it makes sense. And I get maybe there was an argument to be said that it encourages you to explore different classes. Mm. That just did not translate. And it was, it was, it was completely overshadowed mm. by the fact that you had to get these crystals to even unlock characters like Luke Skywalker. Well, that's so. that's the that's the crux of it because obviously the whole thing with implementing implementing any loot box system is the idea of pay to win. And so, like with Battlefront Two, and they had the star card system returning again. They had literal like percent out percentage based uh, you know buffs or whatever like damage boost, yeah. grenade blast radiuses, things like that that you could get by paying money to unlock more boxes. And um, that was the crux of why yes. people went actually this is this is too much because someone with more money than me can pay to beat me. Yeah, and that just sucked. I think it is telling that they did try to strip some of that off before it launched like did, well there, okay. was, there were a couple of things that they did try to like torn down and like it wasn't as bad as it was in pre-release when it first mm. came out but the damage by them was already done well, it didn't really matter that's the thing it blew up so much that I, I again I remem- remember that they pulled the loot box store from they made it so you could they, they didn't affect the rest of the rest of the game they just pulled the ability to buy anything so mm. all of a sudden the progression just didn't have a just missed something but that yeah. was within the first month they removed the ability to purchase loot boxes within the first month mm-hmm. so they were in immediate damage control because of how ridiculous yeah. and like you know well it was the the price of the heroes was the big thing yeah, for me when yeah. that was like just ridiculous to like 60,000 yeah, to unlock characters that you already had in Battlefront 1 but thankfully that was one of the uh, earliest the, things they changed yeah that was yeah. like day one potentially yeah. I think mm-hmm. so that was fine but it was mm-hmm. just to see them in damage control which did impact the rollout of the uh, content like we're getting yeah. great stuff now planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But it's taken them months to get to the position where they fixed what should have been fixed. Well, that's the thing. I mean, um, to drop something else in, it would take until April 2018 for them to release the cosmetic store. Um, And that was after their, like, really weird PR messaging where they said, like, people don't want alternate skins and stuff. And the the example given was that people wouldn't want a bright pink Darth Vader. Which is stupid because all people wanted to do was customize their own soldiers. Yeah. It was so so weird because the DICE, fair fair play to them, they were very vocal throughout Mm. the entire... Like, they've not given up on the game at Mm -hmm, all. mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully, maybe within the... If they continue to support it, it could almost take on a siege mentality, mm. the good kind. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 a shame because there is evidently, again, like I was saying, there is so much talent in those studios, but it seems as though they've been completely hampered by stuff they cannot control. And it's at that point we have to figure out, is this an issue with EA? Mm. Or is this just something to do with the Star Wars brand? Because, you know, the Star Wars cancellations of video games mm-hmm. weren't, aren't exclusive to EA. No. LucasArts, even though we were all excited about 1313, um, they ha- cancelled great ideas mm-hmm. that were barely in the you know most conceptual stage of development. There's a really good expose that Game Informer did a few years back where they go into the development issues and they say, so, oh, yeah, we, we, uh, we did concept art for Knights of the Republic 3. Don't know um, why it got canned. <laughs> no, just, just did. And it's like, well, okay, well, is this just people being intimidated by the license or do we just need to give it to someone else? I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, like the thing that Josh was saying, like they potentially show things off way too early and mm-hmm. they don't really have enough projects locked in because LucasArts don't have that reputation, whereas mm-hmm. EA are pretty much known as like an axe murderer at this point. <laughs> it's just oh, like anything, if you're joining up with them, chances are... That's the thumbnail. <laughs> the sort of Damocles is above you from like day one. Um, I mean, what do you guys think in terms of like the way that they've treated the IP? I mean, uh, they've not done well, have they? No. I, mean, I, re- I remember reading a thing, uh, I think I've talked to you guys about this before, where apparently it's not as lucrative as you think it would be the deal between uh, mm. EA and Star Wars apparently they they aren't uh, getting 
like the most money out of it. I remember yeah, they're trying to like make the most of it, but mm-hmm. in the worst possible way, not really giving Star Wars fans what they want, and mm-hmm. sort of having a really specific idea of what video games are, like what's in the in the invoke thing at the moment, mm-hmm. and trying to cram Star Wars into that rather than letting it breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah, in terms of like yeah, that's the thing. You look at like because uh, the details of their deal specifically on online, yeah, um, but like little random scuttlebutt stuff on forums, rumors, whatever, seems to point to the idea that EA settled on the exclusivity part, the exclusivity clause, or whatever, as opposed to something that is. Better, but in terms of like a revenue basis, it seems like they obviously they thought, well, if we can get Star Wars at all, if we can lock this thing down, then you know we're pretty much set. They've, they've seen there seems to be one big fundamental error with their plan there. <laughs> in order to get the most out of making money from Star Wars, you actually have to make video games. Yeah, they actually <laughs> made some games, wouldn't they? Yeah. So uh, something else as well. I mean, we can always go back to Battlefront too, because I mean, actually, in terms of the wider context, this was the thing that set in motion the wider conversation as to the, the legality of loot boxes. And uh, it was um, I forget what you call the guy, um, one of them, um, one of Hawaii state representatives was the person who called it uh, a Star Wars themed online casino, a gambling yeah. casino for kids. That sounds awesome, not gonna lie. That's a Mos cantina. Only if you yeah. know how much you're investing. I know, because you'd be underage regardless. No, you can't. I'd, I'd, be, no. I'd be walking in and they'd be there like, we, we don't like you. And I'd be there like, <laughs> I don't like you either. And you just get on down to it with your fancy I've got die. the death sentence in 12 <laughs> systems. Oh. But yeah, so that was the whole thing. Uh, and that's what affected the way that, uh, yeah, loot boxes got, like, were, are referred to. I mean, somewhere like, uh, China discloses the drop rates of loot boxes now. It's like a legal requirement. Uh, Belgium's laws changed because of it. Um, but all that came because of Battlefront. And um, and apparently it was Bob Iger from Disney who apparently rang EA. Uh, this is what resulted in them pulling the, <laughs> the, the microtransaction store. Yeah, because um, yeah, apparently Iger rang and just said, this is uh, this is the worst thing. I mean, I'm obviously... For some odd reason, I, I find that a little bit hard to buy Bob Iger, you know, Disney guy. You know, it's like, stop making money. <laughs> Maybe. I don't see that happening. But it is interesting to contemplate Plus, whether Disney are satisfied with yeah. their use but that's, that's like a weird like uh, PR move because they would have signed off on the game yeah. every step of the way. Like yeah. when I had the pleasure of inter- interviewing Mitch Dyer, uh, the writer for Battlefront 2, like awesome he was saying lad, that, yeah, he's a great guy. They were saying that, um, you know, he was saying that they do, um, they bounce every idea off their higher ups. Everything goes back and forward. Obviously, the Star Wars IP needs to be handled in a very specific way. So Disney would have been fully aware of what yeah, was going on. Yeah, they would happen. be working with Lucasfilm Story Group yeah. yes. on this. So, and then it's yeah. like, well, then they have to then look good to the people. So they mm-hmm. then go, oh, this is public phone call where actually we stopped him taking a <laughs> Advantage of the Star Wars IP. So yeah, whatever. Um, so yeah, so that takes us into 2018. Uh, June 2018 is when we, <laughs> I was going to say we saw Jedi Fallen Order, but we didn't see it. We saw <laughs> we saw Vince Sampella in the studio. We're announcing <laughs> a new game in the audience. <laughs> that that's got to be hands down the weirdest what? way to ever announce a game. Yeah, what, just, I think so. What man is, in audience says thing. What else is even at that conference? Because I remember so much of that E3, and literally my one takeaway from EA's conference is they sat down <laughs> with the respawn guys, like, oh, what you working on? Yeah, Star. Was cool next, and then that literally was literally that. It. why are EA so bad at E3? <laughs> They're always bad every single year. They're showing is potentially they've got worse. half the title Maybe. already. E, <sighs> the why can't they, they get the three part right? The thing they never seem to realize is they dedicate so much time to the sports side of stuff, and the people who watch E3 oh, don't yeah. care about sports that games. Sells already, you know, you don't yeah, need yeah. that at E3. Like, you need, I mean, that would be the prime time if they don't have any gameplay to show to do the whole making of stuff mm. and, like, you know, like try to like remind people that they are invested in the IP, they are invested in the brand, and, and do that. I mean, they did show that for. Jedi Fallen Order but that was like months beforehand by the time we <laughs> sat down with Vince Sampella in the, the audience this wasn't, wasn't that literally just a 30 second clip of some guys swinging some lightsabers together yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the same show when they showed off Anthem and they were like right okay we've got the developers they're going to sit in a couch while some footage of someone flying uh, flies so around behind well you can talk about it it was just the worst messaging ever like, yeah. I don't know why they kept on it <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm human guys I'm really it was human. very much like yeah it was like sort of like oh this is your thing you care about this you, you go sell it you go do it but it's like they must 
must have had something to show off. I mean, right now, if we ever cover Jedi Fallen Order on the website, mm -hmm. uh, we haven't done any videos specifically on it, mm -hmm. but there are, there's nothing. There's no concept art. There's nothing. The only thing that we use is a rumored image that is just of a man holding a lightsaber. And it is scheduled to release in 2019. Yeah. Like, even after all the, yeah. even after Jason Schreier's recent reports, we did the new story on um, Vancouver's cancelled game yes. last week. Yes. Uh, he still say he still maintains that Fallen Order is meant to come out at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, and that could still happen. You know, we, we're in an age at the moment where people announce games and then five months later they're like cleared for release. Mm -hmm, so I mean, yeah. I, I want to see some footage of that soon because if it's anything remotely similar to the Jedi Knight games of old, I will be very happy. I'll be very in. And plus, with, with it being respawn, it should control mm -hmm. extremely well. I think um, that's kind of the thing like going forward because obviously Sony pulled out of E3 so that we're looking for big announcements kind of thing. It could be their time to, to just drop some gameplay footage and let it build up its own momentum. And one of the only ways, one of the best ways to avoid um, the double-edged sword of hype is to do the Rockstar or the Bethesda yeah. thing and just go, hey, it's real and it's out in like two months yeah. or whatever. So maybe that's what they're doing considering everything Again, else. it's another game built on promise. I love Respawn. I love all the people who mm -hmm. work there. They've made some great games. They made great games. And Vulture's the best shooter of all yeah, time. Apparently, it's not shouting madness now. Yeah, it's just yeah, Titanfall 2 is potentially the greatest shooter of all time. Thanks, but uh, apparently Titanfall 3 is also coming out this year. So that scares <laughs> me a little is bit. It? Yeah, this has been rumored for a what while. What year is it? Uh, <laughs> there were, uh, I think it was at a press conference. Someone from EA... EA spokesperson said that they'll have two well I know they said the franchise will continue Respawn games coming okay, out in okay, 2019 okay. which implies two which in, and apparently it's been rumoured to be Titanfall 3 right. and Jedi Fallen Order so we, we which could, scares me because why would they split the teams to work on and yeah. also it's going to literally do the same thing that happened to Titanfall 2 it's like yeah. okay Titanfall 2 you really we, look, we want this IP to be really good why don't we shove Battlefield 1 right out <laughs> next to it it's like oh you want Titanfall 3 do you <laughs> oh let's put Star Wars right next to it and watch that bomb too if they do that oh. again and they put out Titanfall 3 right next to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order I just, there's no there's no reality where that needs to happen again it's kind of promising though because to me Is that it? indicates that they are two completely different games when you think mm. about Respawn and what they do well you think multiplayer mm. shooters online focus if they're releasing both these games in the, within the same uh, year, mm -hmm. that to me implies that one of them is going to be the big multiplayer shooter and something mm. uh, could be done differently with yeah. Fallen Order. The only Maybe. thing that goes against that is that the the reason that um, EA weren't so hot on, on Ragtag, again, if you read the Kotaku thing, it was literally uh, Visceral presenting ideas to like the board or whatever, and they just said, well, how are you going to make... Uh, FIFA makes us... Literally, they were saying, FIFA makes us X hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars every year. Where's your <laughs> ultimate team? Build your it? Star Wars ultimate team. Yeah, it was like, yeah. where's your version oh. of that? And so so like that's the thing. If their company mandate is the biggest, the you know the biggest games ever, then uh, a little, well, an assumedly smaller tier, more linear, respawn-focused single-player story thing isn't. It's never going to be that. True, but I imagine. I imagine it's definitely going to have multiplayer. Like you yeah. don't get a respawn game and not have a great a multiplayer mm -hmm. suite. But I think you might be able to get something different within the single-player campaign. Mm -hmm. Potentially, what was interesting to me is when um, Visceral tanked and you got like the Kotaku report out of it. The comments from Inside Air were that mm. uh, although they had been working on it for a less amount of time, the Respawn game looked better than where Visceral's was. Apparently right. Visceral had a couple of years on it, and uh, Respawn had like a much uh, shorter amount of time, but mm -hmm. theirs looked more promising to EA anyway. Which well, that's the thing. I mean, it's cool. yeah, it's like uh, Visceral seemed to really suffer from like just, they had a couple of different ideas, and then it was like trying to have a unified vision. That re The creative side really seems to just, mm -hmm. you know, time passed and nothing had come forward, so like the, hence the whole mercy killing type thing. Um, the last thing I've got down here is uh, looking to the future which is from just this month uh, mm -hmm. is the, probably the same Kotaku report yep. that you mentioned um, saying that a smaller game is apparently coming but it's meant to be lined up with next con next gen consoles is this the one that Motive are involved in or am I getting my wires I think I had EA yeah. well, I've got EA Vancouver down for it but either way uh, it's meant to be 
a smaller Star Wars yeah. game, and apparently it's scheduled for twenty twenty, and that's meant to be when the next system. Yeah, I think Motive are probably involved in that one as well because they're mm, doing yeah. all like the vehicle mechanics. So maybe it's like a small because the one that was cancelled last week, which mm-hmm. was um, Project Orca. I think it was called Project Orca. So I remember my own, so many my own work that I did last week. Um, <laughs> that was can and that was going to be an open world game. Right. Um, that might be what so, you turned into. Yeah, and then, and then Motive kind of ha- they've already handled loads of the vehicle mechanics and stuff yeah. like Battlefront mm. so potentially that's their involvement mm-hmm. there um, what if this 2020 game is going to be like a small story driven narrative piece of content that would be pretty interesting I just, I, it's a case of even if it ever gets made I, if it does it's weird well. because like yeah, yeah, used to have used to be like you know their whole multiplayer focus microtransactions loot boxes loot grinds all that stuff they seem to be right on the money in terms of how much money those games were making mm. and it was like okay if you were from a completely corporate business mentality why would you ever do anything other than this and then we had God of War Spidey Red Dead Redemption 2 and the resurgence quote unquote of the single player game I would always argue that it never went away yeah. but you have all these you know it's a year loaded where the best games are these die hard single player experiences maybe on the business side now the EA side they can crunch that and go actually let's just delay for a year and do a well you know something with a good reputation mm. and something that is story focused if stories have become as profitable as EA need them to be then we're in a very good position this is the thing I, I can't remember I remember seeing um, I think it was last week the highest grossing games of last year yes. inc- including like microtransactions and you know bare sales in FIFA 18 was up there with a ridiculous <laughs> amount like almost a billion dollars ultimate team is insane exactly yeah. yes I don't know and I don't think I saw any um, single player games on there that wasn't Red Dead Redemption 2 that hit like broke into the top 10 of the top 20 uh, probably but, but again that's, that's GTA online, online, but then even Red Dead's yeah. Red Dead Online yeah so I don't I don't know if EA have sort of come around. I'm sure they're thinking about it. I'm sure mm, they're yeah. thinking we can't go on like continuing to annoy people and treat the Star Wars <laughs> license like this because it's not making us any money. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, if they're going to can a whole game to make it the smallest mm-hmm. single-player thing. Honestly, I can't see it happening. It could be a case of where in a few years' time we get to an EA that is literally like Activision where they have two IPs that they, they know are trusted mm. and they just don't care about anything else. And it'll yeah. be FIFA and Battlefield. Well, and that'll be... And, there's, and there are other sports games as well, like Madden and, yeah. and NBA and stuff. People but. like that that whole thing, it's like you, you look to them as a studio, as a team, as, you know, and the, the, the top brass ones, the Andrew Wilsons of the world kind of thing. Like they're not in the gaming industry for what I would say are the right reasons. Mm-hmm. They're only looking to make money, nickel and dime people, create loop, like, create all these microtransaction grinds. And it makes inc- it's incredibly good business. But like you're in a creative medium, obviously there has to be a balance. But you look at the way that their systems roll out, and like, yeah, it's like that that's the thing. If all they want is money, then it makes more sense for them to drill down to the most money hungry franchises like yeah. FIFA and just focus on them. That's the interesting one you said there, Ewan, because it's like an incongruity with what EA do and like the way they present themselves. Activision, I think, are a far worse developer yes. when it comes to mm. sort of monetization and mm. trying to make the most money. Cancel Black Ops, sneaking them all in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But because yeah. Activision don't sort of have a public face, really, they're just Activision. Like we know <laughs> Shadow the Council. Is. They're essentially <laughs> Shadow Council. They don't do um, EA press conferences. They just give other people their games. They it's don't true. have that public figure that EA does. EA has has people who work for them that sort of like come out and you know try to sell you on this stuff. Whereas mm. Activision just does it. I think that's a weird distinction mm. between the two. And I hope EA doesn't go the Activision route. It's weird. Like I mean, now, we might yeah. do that as a separate podcast because um, yeah, like that's the thing. Like how much does the the optics of it affect who we do? Direct our ire at because yeah. you've got yeah like EA get dragged through the mud on a daily basis whereas Activision occasionally do um, but like Warner Brothers have made some ridiculous like paid for fatalities in Mortal Kombat yeah. um, you know Square Enix had a hell of a bad time um, you know there are plenty of publishers that went down the money hungry route yeah. So, yeah it's just a case of like again like EA they have so many talented developers and people and, and studios under their their kind of umbrella mm-hmm. and the fact that they have one of the most creative inspiring licenses at their it's, it's the most popular IP and, in the 
the even, world. Even their really talented developers, for some reason or another, haven't been able to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that potentially speaks to a larger culture at the, at the company itself. And yeah. you know, it it's it obviously we, we can never we won't have we don't have like windows into those those rooms. We don't know what happens. Um, but at the same time it's difficult not to think maybe we should give it to someone else. Yes, I mean, that, as a takeaway um, sentiment, would you guys, do you, do you guys still have faith in EA turning something around before their 10-year deal is up, or would you rather Disney wrench it away from them and give it to someone else? Um, I definitely don't know. I'd, I'd mm. give them the 10 years, not because they deserve it, because they've done it. <laughs> just, just let them try it. Yeah. There are, like Ewan said there, there's some really great developers still working there. I want to see mm-hmm. what Respawn's going to do. I want to mm-hmm. see what these other games are. At least I want to know what those will be and could be before we give it up. True. Because, you know, who knows? They deserve a chance at it. The people working on it, EA doesn't really deserve a chance at it. No. People working on these <laughs> oh, games deserve certainly do. a chance yeah, yeah. to get the game out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm kind of with Josh on this. I want to see the people there. I want them to be able to actually get to do something with this license because let's face it, it's everyone's dream to yes. work with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if somehow Respawn's game somehow doesn't come out or there is something afterwards that gets canned and I think Disney would be well within their rights to re- to review at, le- at least think, review yeah. the, the situation and potentially look maybe at first party access because I mean we still don't know what Marvel are doing with Square Enix I know that'll be cross-platform but mm. again they've already we've already seen Marvel divvying out their licenses on a case-by-case mm. basis mm-hmm. obviously Sony has Spider-Man and then Square have the Avengers and other stuff so mm. maybe that's what Disney should be doing maybe they should be looking at different things and going, you know what, you have that, you have that, mm-hmm. and then that leads to a more heterogeneous kind of approach to their license mm-hmm. and potentially means that they're not investing all their eggs in one basket. Yeah, so. totally. And I think the Star Wars franchise as, as an IP is malleable enough that you could give it to everyone from a Naughty Dog to mm-hmm. a Starbreeze to whoever, even though I don't think Starbreeze is still going. That's a great name. <laughs> but whatever. Starbreeze. It is a very good name. But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I'm curious as to just what these games are like, mainly because I have faith in Respawn, um, but I can't help but wonder what, like, like I said, the Star Wars IP is so malleable. I would love to see what a tiny little indie dev would do with it versus the massive AAA thing. At least on the EA side, you know that the mechanics are going to be pristine. It's just that the overall, the you wider what, right? stuff is bad. You say this, but I think I should say it earlier, but the, my main problem with Battlefront 2, not mm-hmm. outside of the horrible monetization yes. approaches, was just that it was just an alright game. It controlled yes. solidly. But that's but all it, they wanted it to be. I know, but that's a problem in itself, yes, you know yeah. what I mean? Like oh, The yeah, mechanics yeah. are fine, and the levels are fine, and the story is fine, but it didn't have that it's visionary very identity safe. to it. It's very yeah, safe. Very safe. Yeah. It's very like even though everything it does it does very well visually yeah. like mm-hmm. it, you feel like you are in Star Wars when you're you're playing these mm-hmm. games but none of it is like no, there's none of the invention that was there with LucasArts there's none of the the innovation either it's that's, very that's, that's it, what I meant it's yeah. like yeah like they have a very specific scope and they'll laser focus on it so mm-hmm. you yeah you can always see exactly what they're going for mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you exactly what you'll get mm-hmm. and I think that there is a need for innovation and like hopefully they can find a way yeah. to do it so yes let us know what you think down in the comments below if you're watching the video version or find us on social media if you're listening wherever you're listening this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast I've been your host Scott Taylor joined by you and Patterson I'll end with uh, who's more foolish the fool well the, the fool, fool who follows him. him and Josh Brown oh, god get me out of here bye, bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.